Welcome to Common Ground, a talk show encouraging debate and a deeper understanding of hot-button topics in Berlin and beyond. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and I want to welcome you to an outdoor version of our episode, our last one before the summer hiatus. I am at a cafe in Berlin's Bötzowviertel, which offers a great vantage point for today's topic, and that is cycling in Berlin. Is it a bonanza or a bust? Joining me to answer that question and many more about the popular pastime are three avid cyclists. Andrew Buckley, a correspondent for our media partner, Berliner Zeitung English Edition, Dirk von Schneidemesse of Changing Cities, an initiative specializing in democratic sustainability transformation, and veteran award-winning journalist and author, Matthew Schofield. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks very much for having us, Sarah. Yeah, thanks. Nice neighborhood. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Well, thanks all for coming out, and hopefully the weather will hold as we do this today. We see a lot of challenges of bicycling in Berlin all around us, and we can see cyclists on sidewalks, and we can see an absence of bike lanes on the city's cobblestone streets that may be pretty to look at, but are very difficult to ride on. And of course, there are the drivers who don't pay enough attention to cyclists, sometimes with fatal consequences. So my first question goes to all three of you, and we'll have Dirk answer first, but has the cycling mind mindset or practices changed in Berlin because of the pandemic? Because it doesn't seem that way, looking around. Well, so some initial research shows that actually more people did cycle in the pandemic. And actually, uh, as a result of the pandemic, also some of the pop-up bike lanes that have been coming up, few of them, but still some, have led to actually a slight increase in cycling. And um, some scientists with the Mercator Institute, they uh, did a projection um, and said that uh, if the pop-up bike lanes stick, and if, especially if they build more of them, we can expect a lot more cyclists. Andrew, do you agree? I mean, have you seen a change in behavior? We've seen increased pop-up lanes, as he says, but what about uh, behavior or other trends? I think so. The problem is, we're, like, especially at our newspaper, we're all, all working from home. So it's hard to say there's more people on the streets. There's the usual, I ride everywhere, I, I commute everywhere, I have to go to my wife's store in Kreuzberg some days, and you see more people when the weather gets nicer, which is a common uh, complaint of avid cyclists like me that then the fair weather cyclists come out. But I haven't really seen that their lanes are more crowded than they were before Corona. And it really, it, it seems like they're more stably uh, busy these days. Like at every time of day, they're about the same instead of having rush hour as before. Matt, what about your own experience these last 18 months? What's changed and what have you noticed in terms of other cyclist behavior? Well, I think one of the things we've seen that has changed in Berlin cycling over the last 18 months, and it's a gradual change that's happened over the last 15 years, increasingly cyclists are wearing helmets in Berlin. When I started riding a bike here, nobody wore a helmet. And now it's about, what, 50-50, something like that? We live in Mitten. When I look out my window at the bike lanes that go by us, uh, the traffic isn't any heavier during the pandemic, but it's just as consistent. Maybe it's that the timing's different because there used to be a huge rush at rush hours. People are getting off work and people are getting off work at home now. So they're not really riding home after that. People are just kind of all day long keeping the bike lanes fairly full. Yeah, my experience is that there's a lot of people on bikes. I mean, during the pandemic, but there were a lot of people on bikes before the pandemic. So. Well, let me follow up with you about something that Dirk mentioned, and that is that 
bicycle traffic actually rose 25% according to the ADFC, uh, the German Cycling Association's survey that they did. And they linked this to the pandemic and to the temporary bicycle lanes. But even so, cyclists rate Berlin as one of the worst places to bicycle. I, I shouldn't say the worst, but one of the, it's in the lower end of the top 20, shall we say, or lower end of the top 10 uh, in terms of places that are bicycle friendly. Why do you think that is? Well, because they haven't ridden their bikes in really horrible cities in which to ride your bikes. If you spend your life riding your bike um, in Washington, D.C., and then you move to Berlin, you would think you died and gone to heaven. If you had spent your life riding your bike in Kansas City, Missouri, and then you went to D.C., you'd think you'd died and gone to heaven. There's a steady climb. There's a ladder of success. And Berlin is above many, many places. Um, it's significantly above most places I've lived. It's not Amsterdam. And if you're comparing Berlin to Amsterdam, it's going to fare poorly. But if you're gonna compare it to London, it does pretty well compared to London, in my opinion. Do you, do you agree? Well, I mean, I, I, I cannot disagree with that. I mean, certainly uh, Berlin is better than London, but that's also setting the bar quite low, no? <laughs> um, if you look at London, most of the people uh, you see cycling there are young men. Right, which would suggest that it's also like an exclusive practice. Not everybody can cycle. You have to, you know, be willing to enter into the sort of like this, this ongoing everyday conflict uh, to claim your piece of the road, to you know, like get into uh, altercations with motorists, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. A colleague of mine, she's been doing uh, bicycle trainings uh, for women and also for migrant women in the Netherlands for many, many years. And she says, the moment that you see an equal amount of men and women on bicycles, that's when you know you have a bicycling city. And it's very true, the places that you were mentioning are very far away from that. Berlin is also very far away from a place where everybody can get on the bicycle. I mean, parents very much do not let their children ride their bikes to school because it's simply, you don't have the feeling of being safe. Uh, you had mentioned the pop-up bicycle lanes, and I'm wondering how many of these can we expect to become permanent here in Berlin? Obviously that helped increase the traffic uh, or the bicycle usage, so is it something we can expect to stay? So the, uh, definitely all the ones in the Bezirk Friedrichshain-Kreuzberg, uh, they will become permanent. And the Senat has also made statements to the effect that all of them should become permanent. Uh, so the, the Senat being the state ministry for traffic, it's a traffic ministry, so that we're, we're managing something that we don't want. We will have yet to see if that works. I mean, so the AfD actually uh, that's alternative for Germany? Right, the, right. the right-wing populist uh, party, they actually uh, tried to uh, revert the pop-up bike lanes in court, but they were unsuccessful in that. Um, and so I think the real question is, um, in what way will this be a strategy for creating more bike lanes, and how can we also use this for trying out and making sure that we're building good bike lanes? Well, Andrew, do you think that that's going to make it better for bicyclists, or do you think that cars and trucks, and deliver, especially delivery trucks, are going to end up using these extra bike lanes just for their purposes? Well, this is part of the problem. I think why German, why Berlin gets such a low rating among cyclists is these pop-up bike lanes sound fantastic, but you're talking about three or four blocks of a perfect bike lane with horrific conditions on either end. Mm. 
And one blight on Berlin constantly is construction. And as soon as one building anywhere near that bike lane is under construction, that bike lane is gone. And now the cyclists are going to have to figure out how to circumnavigate that construction site. And the, the theoretically, a pop-up bike lane or a, it needs to be a protected bike lane with metal bollards or metal uh, posts that protect the bike lane so that trucks can't use it as a delivery, as a uh, loading zone. Um, taxis can't stop there to unload passengers. Uber drivers can't use it. But that's sort of a pipe dream. And there's plenty, of, even around here, uh, new bike paths, they're unprotected. And as soon as they're unprotected, they're going to get used by somebody else. And they're useless. And then it becomes super dangerous. We had the case of the woman in Friedrichstein recently who had to uh, move out of the way of a delivery truck, unfortunately moved in front of a truck. So I think there's these good ideas, but the reason why Berlin scores so low is because they're just piecemeal. And you never know from one day to the next whether that bike lane is going to be there or what condition it's going to be tomorrow. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that case in Friedrichshain because an acquaintance of mine actually saw that happen, and it was very traumatic. As you mentioned, cycling is dangerous, and we've had five cyclist deaths in Berlin this year already. Andrew, you were a victim of a road rage incident a while back while you were cycling. Can you tell us what happened? Yeah, this is why I, I think it's so important to actually separate cars from bikes because a lot of the bike lanes uh, are actually on the street. It's the street, bike lane, and the parked cars, which means that as a cyclist, you're going to have to interact with the cars. I just passed another cyclist. I admit I moved down to the street for one or two seconds. And then it was just a typical bullying situation that the guy in his big Volvo SUV saw an opportunity to bully me and told me to stay on the bike path. I told him what I thought of his idea, and then he threatened me with his car, and this situation just escalated to the point that the police had to come. And uh, I debated whether I overreacted. There's a, a Kampfradler, they call them in, in Berlin, these cyclists who just are going to fight for the right and scream at cars all the time, and I don't really think I'm one of those, so I wondered if I had overreacted in that situation. But then when I heard the story that he told about what led to the altercation was that there was a giant construction site and that I had swerved out in the street, all of which was, there was no construction site, I didn't swerve. He was just a bully. And so it's important to separate cars from cyclists so that I'm not subjected to that and probably that he's not subjected to me trying to pass a slower cyclist. And that's easy to do by moving the flow of traffic, then you have parked cars, and then you have the bike lanes. But he ended up getting over a year uh, sentence for attacking me, basically, but also because he had a second road rage case that day. So. I was glad to see that the German wheels of justice worked in my favor that day. It's good. I mean, I hate to say this, but if we were in the States, I wonder sometimes if somebody would have pulled a gun in that instance, you know, because, I mean, that sort of thing happens sure. as well. You know, people get so angry. But the punishment fitting the crime, that's another interesting point that you bring up, because I read an article, I think it was last week even, about a truck driver who was found negligent by the court of having uh, caused the death of an 89-year-old cyclist in Tiergarten, and he received a 3,600-euro fine. I mean, does the punishment fit the crime, Matt? Well, clearly no, but I, I think this is a common problem in German jurisprudence, right? Germany is light on sentencing. Um, they feel ill at ease anytime they put down a particularly harsh sentence. I say this is an American word cops routinely shoot people so this we have a different perspective perhaps and and yeah I grew up in high crime neighborhoods where my friends often went to jail for long long sentences up to 175 years is the longest one of my friends was sentenced to but by these standards Germans have very light sentences for things like this by German standards though they're just what they are I mean I think it's one of the things we have to be aware of when we're out there cycling 
part of the problem isn't uh, the sentences. It's enforcement in general. I mean, that's a, that's a major problem in Berlin. There is no enforcement of anything. People move here and think this is a great, tolerant city. It's not tolerant. There's no enforcement of anything. You can do whatever you want because you're not going to get in trouble. And so uh, all these people parking on bike paths or even parking on sidewalks, unless there's a revenue interest for the city where they have parking enforcement running around all the day, which is not in a lot of the city, you're not going to, there's nothing's going to happen. You can park wherever you want. You can double park wherever you want. You can block a bike path. No cop is going to stop and write you a ticket. Nothing's going to happen. And that's a huge problem with all these new bike paths or these ideas of biking infrastructures. There's no enforcement. So, Diak, what about that? You're involved with an initiative that's involved with mobility, sustainability, and getting people to ride bikes and, and that sort of thing. How much of a problem is it that there isn't enough enforcement or that there isn't enough punishment? I mean, is this creating a, a situation where people are reluctant to ride their bikes? Yeah, certainly that is uh, definitely a part of the problem. Um, so Berlin's uh, interior minister at the state level, Andreas Geisel from the Social Democratic Party, he has done virtually nothing to improve uh, the police controlling of making sure, for example, that people are not parking in intersections, uh, people are not parking on bicycle lanes, etc., etc. So the police don't see this as their issue. The uh, sub-police, we call them the Ordnungsamter, the... I don't enforcement know. officers, I guess uh, you Yeah, call like them. the yeah, enforcement officers, they can write tickets, they can't arrest you or anything like that. Um, but they also are, do not feel like it's their problem. And there's really been nothing done to kind of make sure that somebody is taking the responsibility for addressing this problem. And that comes back to what uh, Andrew was saying. What we're lobbying for is uh, separated bike lanes that are physically separated so you just cannot misuse them, right? Maybe it would work if the police and the, uh, and the enforcement officers would actually make sure that these bike lanes were being kept free. We do, of course, know that uh, there is a higher subjective safety when there is some element of physical protection. So that's good, especially for making it accessible for people who are not cycling. But there would be, I think, a lot of low-hanging fruits that could be picked up simply by enforcing. So the infrastructure certainly has to change and you can make it safer also to make sure that things uh, like uh, truck drivers running over cyclists and pedestrians don't happen. And we make a lot of suggestions to that end. There's a lot actually on the law books already that would just need to be implemented that would make that situation safer. And of course, um, the uh, logistics companies they're putting their drivers under so much pressure to go very quick and to, you know, like take the shortcut through the city to meet uh, unreasonable deadlines, to not have enough rest, which is also certainly a part of the problem. But definitely um, what's in the, the hands of the politicians is start with enforcement and start with the infrastructure. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we will talk more about the dangers and pleasures of bicycling in Berlin. Stay tuned. Hi everyone, I'm Maurice Frank, editor of the Berliner Zeitung English Edition, which is a proud partner of Common Ground. Is it hard for you to figure out what's going on in Berlin because everything you read or hear is in German? We at Berliner Zeitung English Edition can help, providing you with all the news you can use in English, whether on politics, business or culture. We also offer riveting interviews and commentary. Look for us at berliner-zei.com. T-U-N-G dot D-E slash E-N. 
or just type in Berliner Zeitung English Edition into your search engine. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, the host of Common Ground. And I'm Dina El Sayed, the senior producer. Each week, we bring you a new lively discussion on a hard hitting topic. If you want to learn more about our podcast, check out our website at commongroundberlin.com. The episodes are free to download, but they aren't free to create. Common Ground depends on grants as well as donations from listeners like you. So if you want to help us out, please click on the donate button at commongroundberlin.com. And thanks for listening. Democracy. I'm Rachel Tausenfreund, one of the hosts of the German Marshall Fund's podcast, Out of Order. Join our conversations with leaders and experts on what the dark side of tech does to democracy, how the pandemic shapes geopolitics, and other topics of global order and disorder. You can find our episodes and miniseries at gmfus.org or wherever you find your podcasts. We are the German Marshall Fund of the United States, strengthening transatlantic cooperation since 1972. Welcome back to Common Ground. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and joining me outdoors here in the Bezoviertel of Berlin are Andrew Buckley, who writes for our media partner, Berliner Zeitung English Edition, Dirk von Schneidermesser of Changing Cities, an initiative specializing in democratic sustainability transformation, and veteran journalist and author Matt Schofield. We are talking about whether bicycling in Berlin is a bonanza or a bust. Before the break, we talked about the dangers facing cyclists, and I want to delve into that a little bit further. Andrew, what do you think contributes more to fatalities and injuries in Berlin? Is it infrastructure inadequacies or lack of enforcement like we talked about, or driver inattention, or are cyclists at fault in some way? I think every time I hear about a cyclist getting run over by a truck, the first thing I think is always a right turn, and that person obviously was not paying attention to the truck as it turned right, because every time I'm next to a truck, I just wait till they're past me. I'm not going to deal with the truck. I don't want to get involved with it. And so it's easy to put the blame on the victims and say they made a mistake. But we're all out there on the road together, and the truck is breaking the law by turning right, by taking the right-of-way by somebody else. And the fact is there's technology out there that could alert the truck driver to the fact that there's a, a bike there. And all we need is the political will to say, put these right turn assistants on your trucks. And also, if we had the right bike paths where bikes were separated by two meters or so from the truck, the truck could then see the people on the path. Of course, it would still happen. You're always going to have fatalities. It's, it's a part of traffic. It's hard to put the, the blame in one thing, but it's kind of everything. The infrastructure's bad maybe some cyclists aren't paying attention when they should be some drivers aren't paying attention when they should be but it would be nice we could remove at least one factor and that would be the infrastructure but we're just not doing it Dirk, what about that i mean is the city thinking or leaning towards doing what andrew recommended in terms of creating a scenario where the truck drivers could see things more easily or creating lanes that are just for uh you know bicycles and so trucks couldn't get on them etc yeah the city is thinking about it But that's all they're doing, um, which is the problem. I mean, it's not like this is rocket science. We have uh, a country, a neighboring country, uh, uh, the Netherlands. They've been doing this very well for very many years. We've got another neighboring country, Denmark. They also have some very good examples. We know what needs to be done. And in Berlin, we even have a law requiring us to do that. But what we also have is a terrible disaster of the political leadership 
the Green Party, who is uh, in charge of the traffic ministry, they have not been able to figure out how to implement this change. And it's a change uh, that needs to happen at various levels of the administration, um, but it also needs good leadership. And that's not something that we've been seeing uh, uh, for the past legislative period. Matt, what about helmets? I mean, you know, again, cyclist responsibility. I see cyclists do some pretty crazy things here. As a pedestrian, sometimes on the sidewalk, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die because someone's going 100 miles an hour because they don't want to be on the cobblestone, but also like wearing helmets. I mean, is there enough cyclist responsibility as, as an American living in, who's been a bicycle rider in the States and in Germany? I mean, how do you see that? You know, I do think we have different approaches to this. There's the very famous Princeton study that came out sometime in the 90s that took a look at the, um, the reality of safety with a helmet and safety without a helmet when you are riding. The findings were simple. If you're in an accident, you're actually in an accident, having that helmet on can save your life. But the study also said you're far more likely to be in an accident if you're wearing the helmet. And one of the more disturbing elements of that was about an 80% more likely chance to get be in an accident if you're wearing that helmet. And one of the more disturbing reasons behind that was that automobile drivers, seeing that you have the helmet on, sense that you are more protected and therefore you are less vulnerable. So uh, this is a real you know, feather in the cap of those who wish to ride without the cap. That said, I mean, helmets are becoming far more popular in Berlin than they used to be. When I started riding a bike here in 2003, there were very few helmets on bike riders. It was an odd thing to see someone wearing a bike helmet. And it's quite common today. We've been sitting here for about half an hour and we've watched a couple dozen bicycles go by and most of them have been wearing helmets. I think the cyclists take their safety pretty seriously. I also think it's very difficult to assume that other people will not obey basic traffic laws. And that's something when you ride a bicycle you have to come to grips with. The, the right turn across the bike lane is obviously against the law. And beyond that, killing someone is going to bother whoever is doing the driving. But it happens and there is a shared responsibility there. The, the legal problem is all on the truck driver. The actual pain is all on the cyclist who gets hit by the car. So you have to take that perhaps more seriously. But it is difficult if you stop and think about everything you do in life, if you always assume that everyone was going to break the law all, I mean, all the time, you wouldn't get much done. You couldn't cross the street until you were 100% sure that no one was going to run through this light, no one was going to start shooting you know, pedestrians from a window above. It's a very difficult way to live. We've talked about cars and trucks and, you know, drivers causing issues. What about these e-scooters and these new mobility devices that um, are using bike lanes, that are being dropped, you know, wherever, I mean, parked wherever? How much of an issue do you, do you think that's causing for cyclists here in Berlin? Well, I think uh, that there, again, uh, we need to go back to the infrastructure. The federal government made it okay for like these uh, e-scooters to go on bike lanes, which is fine if we have bike lanes and if they're big enough, right? If we're putting everything that pops up on bike lanes, we need to have, A, then have bike lanes, and B, have bike lanes that are big enough to uh, have the capacity to carry those things. Clearly, the development of these things are is going faster than the regulation. And of course, I would say that the, the companies um, dropping these things in the cities need to be taking more responsibility to make sure 
that they're not, say, like dropped in the middle of a sidewalk where then people like with a rolly or with a wheelchair uh, cannot get through anymore. Because, I mean, it, it is a thing where you can park them on the street, yeah, on a, a car parking spot. But if you do that, of course, probably it won't take long before some car driver yells at you because there's also certainly like this sense of entitlement. This is, this is our street. This is our place for parking our motor vehicle. Um, and so, you know, it's a question, how involved do you want to get in this process? I think that they're, they certainly can be part of the solution. But again, we need to have the infrastructure and also the control um, by the authorities to make sure that it works well. Andrew, how much of a role do you think environmental friendlier mobility is going to play in the upcoming federal elections and state elections in Germany? And where does cycling fit into that? Well, wouldn't it be great if cycling fit into the elections at all? <laughs> uh, not at all. Germans' biggest fear is change. So there's going to be no change. We're going to have the CDU-led government after September that we've had, had for the last 16 years which is super car friendly, unfortunately. And uh, we can hope that one of their coalition partners is the Greens, who then can push some environmentally friendly uh, transportation at some level. But realistically, we're talking about Berlin and the change needs to come from Berlin, which is already led by about as left-wing a government as you can get, and we still aren't there yet. So I don't think... Uh, environmentally friendly mobility is going to play that big of a role in the election. Unless, of course, BMW, uh, VW, and Daimler and Mercedes-Benz decide to make it an issue, at which point the politicians will jump and make it an issue. But cars king in Germany. Matt, do you agree? Well, yeah. And I think if we're looking at the environmental issues that will play in the coming years, it's going to be e-cars because car is king. And this is the way you save your car business and you save your spot atop the pecking order. So bicycle commutes are not going to be much of an issue in this. Dick, what do you say? Because, I mean, the Greens are actually, you know, they're doing better. They're not doing as well as they were maybe a couple months ago, but they still are expected to draw a significant vote. Um, and they are very cyclist friendly. I mean, do you think that cycling will play a role or won't play a role? Or do you agree with what Andrew and Matt have said? Um, I agree with what Andrew and Matt have said at the national level, certainly. And the way that things are structured also, they, um, basically at the national level, kind of like they decide what money goes for what. So the federal transport minister, or traffic minister rather, uh, he's made a bunch of money available for bicycle projects at the communal level. Now he knows very well that at the communal level, they don't have the personnel to reach into that jar and grab that money. So he can rest assured that a bunch of that money is going to come back to him at the end of the budget period, and that will be fine. At the same time, he can say, hey, look, I'm a bicycle minister. I did everything you know possible. At the Berlin level, uh, I mean, last uh, election, we saw the parties that supported the Berlin bicycle referendum, which was our campaign for a bicycle law at the state level, they were the ones that actually gained. And that brought into effect the left coalition that we currently have. The problem is, like I said before, the Greens have the traffic ministry here in the state of Berlin. Um, and as much as maybe they want to make the change, with the exception of maybe one district, Friedrichshain-Kreuzberg, they don't know how to do it. So. We're left with a situation, we have 
those parties that want to but can't and those parties that just don't want to. So it does look a bit dire. Um, on the bright side, there are uh, uh, quite a few uh, local initiatives, for example, for bicycle-friendly neighborhoods or also for pedestrian-friendly neighborhoods. Uh, we call them Keats blocks. Currently, more than 50 initiatives in neighborhoods Berlin-wide, um, and they're all gathering signatures uh, to put what we call uh, citizens, like petition, uh, into the local parliaments to make sure that uh, these neighborhoods uh, in which they live are going to become less car-oriented. Now, whether the uh, local and, and state authorities will be able to respond to that, that's a different question. So the last question I'll ask each of you, and I would ask you to keep your answers a little short just so that we stay within time, is what is the thing that you think needs to change the most or the quickest in terms of cycling in order to make it a better experience for people in Berlin and across Germany for that matter? And we'll start with Matt. <laughs> the microphone was on the other end of the table. I thought it would stay there. Um, <laughs> We travel through Vetting quite often, and when you travel through um, Joachimstrasse, um, you see about 50% of the cars are double parked. The other cars are all single parked, but there are people trying to cycle down this street. So what's something we talked about earlier is the enforcement of existing law. I think if you took seriously handing out tickets, parking in a bike lane, uh, double parking. If these were things were taken very seriously, if there were actual fines attached to them and not $25, you know, 25 euro fines or 50 euro fines, if there were 500 euro fines attached to these things, if it was taken as a very serious issue, I think this would get people's attention and would increase the safety of bicyclists on the street. Andrew, what about you? What do you think uh, that burning thing is that would make cycling more enjoyable? I would agree with the enforcement. That's my big thing is that there's nothing enforced. And I would also say construction is a hobby in Berlin. Every street gets redone every three years. Take the time and add a bike lane. How many of these streets have I seen have been done three or four times since I've lived here in 20 years and they did not add a bike lane? We could just add a nice two meter wide bike lane every time they redo a street. Diok? Yeah, I mean, I think spatial redistribution is definitely uh, uh, the crux. Um, and you can do it very quickly, uh, like Andrew said, make a bike lane. Every time you do anything with a street, make a bike lane. That's actually required by law. And then to go even faster, you can just put a modal filter on every uh, side street that you have in Berlin. So a modal filter like a flower pot or a little tree or a bollard, um, which allows uh, pedestrians and cyclists to go through. Cars cannot go through. Um, and that makes the situation safer for everybody. Great. Well, as we bring the show to a close, let me raise a glass to my guests. They are Andrew Buckley, who writes uh, for our media partner, Berliner Zeitung English Edition, Dirk von Schneidemesser of Changing Cities, an initiative specializing in democratic sustainability transformation, and veteran award-winning journalist and author Matthew Schofield. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Common Ground. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and our senior producer is Dina El-Sayed. Common Ground is made possible through a grant administered by the German Ministry for Economic Affairs and Energy. Thank you also to our partners, Berliner Zeitung English Edition and the German Marshall Fund of the United States. You can download all of our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. If you are on Apple, we'd love for you to write a review on Common Ground. 
You can also subscribe to the podcast on Spotify. And be sure to also check out our website, commongroundberlin.com. We'll be back in August, and until then, have a great summer. <laughs>